Welcome to the Hypnotic Comic Live Show. Finding that entertainment without meaning isn't cutting it anymore? Do you want to feel deeply connected, yet lifted up into the heights of laughter? You found that place where comedy meets the full expansion of life's possibilities. Now, for your hypnotically comical host, Jenna Grayson! Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the show. We are so glad to be here and really excited about the show today. Um, we'll do a little station identification before we go into it. I am indeed your host, Jenna Grayson, the hypnotic comic. <clears throat> I'm a hypnotherapist and a stand-up comic. That's where the name comes from. <laughs> um, and uh, I've got a couple shows coming up, which I'm super excited about. Um, I have a new venue in the Orange County, California area where I live uh, at the House of Blues in Anaheim, which I'm super honored and excited about. And that's coming up on March 10th. <clears throat> it's a Sunday night. It's an 8 o'clock show. And then there's also a March 15th show at the Comedy Store in Hollywood on Sunset Boulevard. So I'm feeling really good about this growth that's happening and some new opportunities and avenues to bring some laughter and light and love to the world. Um, <clears throat> so thank you for everybody. Thank you so much for your support and your love and your encouragement. It's, it means so much to me. And uh, thank you, Doug, and the producers of the show, BBS Radio. You can find this show and others like it on uh, iTunes, Hypnotic Comic Live Show. Um, it's We're also on iHeartRadio, Google Play, I think it's called, oh God, Google Listen, and something like that. And um, over 20 different stations internationally at different syndications. So this show is spreading far and wide, and we're super grateful to be here with you here today. And on today's show, we have a returning guest. This is my first, our first returning guest. Um, it is the uh, beautiful Nicole Buffett, um, known um, on the media anyway, and as the granddaughter of the very well-known Warren Buffett, the world-famous investor. She is also uh, an artist and a writer and um, the well-spoken transformational leader. And today we're going to be exploring some of her life experiences and how she got to be where she is today in, in her consciousness, in her lifestyle, in her relationship with her family. Um, you know, look, just looking online, there's there's actually a lot of controversy out there about her story. And so I just want to bring some light to it and some love to it and really just welcome you here today. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us. And for having me again. I'm honored to be here. Yay. I'm so glad you're back. You're back. You're back. <laughs> Well, we had such a juicy conversation last time, and I, I learned so much and just felt my heart open, my mind open so much, and, and I'm just interested in going to another level with you. You and I have talked since our last um, since our last 
interview together and some things opened up and I was like, oh, girl, we got to get you on the show again and talk about that. So, you know, we got some, some stuff brewing in our in our in our conversation. So I appreciate mm-hmm. you so much for coming mm-hmm. back and blessing us mm-hmm. with your with mm-hmm. your beautiful consciousness and presence. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to share. I'm excited to share. Thank you. So if I can just kind of dive into it um, without sure. too much background, I mean, maybe I'll just kind of repeat what I just said a little bit, which is that you're the granddaughter of Warren Buffett, the daughter of Peter Buffett, who is Warren Buffett's son, um, yes. Peter is, and um, you're a part of that Buffett family, obviously, and what's out there in the media or what's come to be known and we talked about last time is um, a piece of what we talked about is the, the, um, the occurrence that happened from the, the documentary that you were featured in that Warren Buffett decided to take you out of the family will, which I, I don't know if the proper word is disowned, well, but um, yeah, it's the, the nouse is the term. Um, it's okay. an interesting term, which I think has something to do with in name. Um, um, there really isn't, there hasn't been any specific talk about the will, although that it implies, um, it implies a separation or implies a rejection, right? It implies yeah. kind of a pushing out. Um, so that's, I think, what that, that, that was the term that was used just in, in the media or in the public, in the public arena. Terms yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. even just looking online, I just got online a little bit before our call, and there is the word disowned, which I know from oh, right. okay. talking to you Dis- that disowned might be better. I, well, disowned actually might be more legal. Actually, interesting to me because there is this kind of. Um, to disown someone kind of denotes that at one point you were owned by them. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Let's talk about, Let's talk that. about that. That's great. I think that's really interesting. Oh my gosh. So, I appreciate that. Um, that's hilarious. I, I like it too, because it like when funny. I first, when I first read that word, I was like, it sounded like such a harsh rejection. Like if my, you know, if my family member disowned me, I'd be like, well, screw you too, you know? Like it just sounds like absolutely. I reject you as my family. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, and there's and there's so um, there's so much there. I don't know if you – and I laugh and I am – Uh-oh, no, on well, this did we lose subject. It? Oh, no. there you are. Okay. Oh. Can you back up just no, a little bit? Of... Yeah. Sure. It just cut out. Oh, goodness. You laugh and... Well, I said, I, you know, I laugh now, um, and, you know, now I'm in a much different, more transcendental space than I was at the point when this, when this occurred, um, which was, right. I believe, in around 2006. Okay. Okay. And I hope I'm coming in clear. Yeah, you're a little bit choppy just when you said, I hope I'm coming Uh-oh. in clear. Oh, goodness. Um, you've been doing good otherwise. Okay. I think um, hopefully this, this, is, this is clear now. I know you're in your personal office space on the mountain. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm on the mountain here. So uh, hopefully this 
this works still. Is that good? Yeah, it sounds great. It sounds better okay. now. Really good. Okay, great. All right. Well, thank you. Um, thank you for joining us. I know, you know, you don't have the best reception where you are in the, the mountains of North Los Angeles, right? Yes, I live in Topanga specifically, mm-hmm. which is oh, a nice. beautiful mountain mountain community here, canyon community. Yeah. Yes. So I appreciate so much what you said already. Um, the idea that being disowned suggests that somebody had once owned you. Can you talk a little bit more about what that means for you and what you know what mm. that has been? Mm. Yeah. Um, well, so, you know, we, we do belong to each other, um, regardless, um, if we feel like we belong, the feeling of belonging and the reality of belonging, I think are two different things. And that's something that, um, I've come to really, uh, I've come to realize, um, through this you know what would be it was it's been very painful for me of course when my grandfather decided to disown me denounce me all the different words but basically push me out of what would be considered you know the family unit um but let me be clear as to say that this was his feeling and his need to to push um to push me away um, and there's still a lot of unresolved understanding as to really why he did it, although the kind of surface um, the surface reason looks like it is that because I, I did, I stepped outside of the box, I rebelled, I spoke out, um, that was inherently kind of a, a no-no as far as within our family um, to make ourselves kind of special um, because of um, his wealth, um, which um, at the time when I decided to participate in this documentary, I was 26 years old. Um, I was, um, I had just gotten my master's in painting and I was, you know, I was, I was really excited to, I was coming into my own as a, as a woman, as an artist, um, as an independent thinker. And so, you know, a, a really dear friend of mine at the time, Jamie Johnson, the director of the film, he, he, we met in Los Angeles and he was starting to ask me questions that no one had asked me before about my view of the world, my view of wealth, my relationship with wealth, um, not kind of having the wealth that people assume that I had because of my name and my relationship with my grandfather, because our family's kind of famous for, my grandfather's name is for, you know, not being an opulent, wealthy man, not sharing his wealth with the family. And so he was asking me kind of those general questions, but then it went a little farther into what are my views on how do I see, how would I see great wealth changing the world and what would I do with that great wealth? And it was really, it was really, um, it was exciting for me. And it was, it was an experience that I, I wanted to, um, I wanted to share. And at the time, although I felt like I was kind of treading in um, uncharted territory, I didn't, I didn't realize just how, um, it was like the wilderness as far as how far away it would be putting me 
um, in regards to kind of keeping within the code or keeping within the rules of what was expected of us. My grandmother had just passed away. There was a lot of new things changing and the dynamics of the, the family paradigm and dynamic was shifting. So thing, a lot of things were up in the air, and I think a lot of we were all on pretty in a pretty delicate place is that my grandmother was the glue and the heart. And so I think it was, a, it was also a time to kind of push those boundaries. And I think we all were doing it both consciously and unconsciously. So I, I share that um, in the sense that when my grandfather, after I was on the, in the film, uh, which I had, my father had knowledge of and he had knowledge of, and then I was asked to go on Oprah, in which I, I did um, appear and speak to the film and speak to my experience as, as a Buffett. Um, I think it really, um, that really broke down a lot of walls of um, fear within myself around uh, how dare I be important, how dare I make myself important. No one appointed me that position I appointed mm-hmm. myself that position. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I think what we're looking at is that aspect of we're talking about ownership and um, who has the right to determine where we belong, who we belong to, who we are ultimately. And so um, that was a huge um, it was a breakthrough moment for everyone. And, you know, as most breakthrough moments are, there's there's pain because you're literally breaking through old kind of um, forms that ho- are holding us in places of comfort or places of familiarity. Um, but they don't always serve us. Um, so when I chose to put myself out there and answer questions and make myself um, available... Um, for that kind of attention, ultimately, um, it, 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 it was questioned. It was not necessarily celebrated um, by my family. But I think ultimately, you know, I, I've always, first of all, I want to say that I've always had my, my father's support. Um, my father mm-hmm. loves me. I love him. He's a revolutionary thinker, a teacher, a writer, and also an artist. And I think that he he raised me to be all those things as well. And um, I think that, you know, it was really scary for both of us and, of course, very hurtful, not only to me, but also to my father because he raised us. And um, so for my grandfather to denounce uh, me and my twin sister, actually, um, the both of us, it was it was a really hard, it was a hard pill to swallow, and it was something that... Um, has only made our relationship as a family unit between my father, my sister, and I stronger. And ultimately now, as years have gone by, um, other members of the family, we, we get together and we, we don't, um, we've all really done a lot of healing work around deciding that, you know, other people can't decide who we get to love and who we get to be connected to, even if they themselves choose not to be connected or to shut down the love that's flowing, that's available for them to experience. And I think that's been probably one of the greatest gifts that's come from this. Is Can you, can you be more specific? 
take yeah. back on that, Nicole? Like when you're talking, okay. I feel like I'm following what you're saying, but then when you come to the okay. place of like who we love, are you yeah. saying, because that's, that's like a, it sounds like a new topic here, but, and I'm not really sure that I understand sure. that yes, you're saying, you cut in. what's that? I said, yeah, please interrupt me with any questions. It's a big, okay. it's such a huge topic that it's hard for me to, um, without, with being somewhat concise and also somewhat um, general. But um, yeah, and I, I also want to just honor and acknowledge that I hear you being very um, careful, you know, to be respectful of everybody. And I just really want to honor that and, um, you know, hold space for that to to happen as well, that that's part of the healing that you're committed to and that your life has been about is to honor everybody's process in this, including people you have felt very hurt by. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, what I mean is that um, when my grandfather um, denounced me, he he decided to speak for the whole family. And um, he wrote a letter and, you know, said that he spoke for all the cousins and the aunts and that that really it it was it was really awful because it it cut it was a it was a determination that everyone else in the family I don't believe got to make on their own accord so he spoke for everyone else and yeah. took that role as he gets to decide and so it was mm. That, and that's what I mean by over the years, um, other family members, cousins, et cetera, et cetera, have, we've come together and it's been, it's been amazing and it's been a huge revelation and extremely powerful and healing for us to really kind of take that, take that ownership. We're talking about ownership is that we each get to decide who we love and how we relate and how we connect. I see. Okay. That makes sense. So that's what I mean specifically. Yes. Great, great. That makes sense now. That was like the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the missing link I was looking for. No, thank you. No, no, thank you. I know there's like, yeah. there's so much detail and it's it's so it's so complex and yet it's very simple in some ways. So yeah, um, please interrupt me Good. with any specific qu- questions you might have. I'm Thanks. happy to share. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, and I love that idea that it's both very complex and very simple because it's like I think when we're going through pain and <clears throat> you know what we could consider. Our, our, the traumas of our life, yeah. human experiences, it does seem profoundly mm. complicated in the pain of it. You know, I think yeah. we can all relate to that. And then when you get to that place through working into what you've called here today, the transcendental space, I love that, um, that that transcend, transcendental perspective is, oh, actually, it's very simple. Exactly. Um there's been, I think that, you know, the kind of credo of my family um, is standing on your own two feet, using your using your own wings to fly. You know, that's that's the that's the credo. So ultimately, okay. my grandfather, what he's done is ultimately, on some level, I've come to determine is the greatest act of faith that he actually could give me in me. It's 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 enshrouded mm. inside of what seems like an an unfortunate mm. event of rejection, but mm. actually, it's it's actually given me the best of both worlds because and this mm. is how I where I've come to transform it from being mm-hmm. just a simple loss or an act of of hate or an act of um, 
a loss of love when when really this for for within my experience is wow actually i'm just as much a family member as i ever was regardless if my grandfather feels or wants me to be it's you know mm-hmm. i have a, a an amazing relationship with my father i have an amazing relationship with other members of my family and my grandmother who is no longer alive her spirit is within me and has made me the person that I am. And that, no one can never take that away from me. That's right. Um, so are so, you saying that yeah. you don't, You I have so many things to ask about, but I'm also sure. wanting to really hear you too. <laughs> Go so, ahead. Um, thank you. Thank you. So are you saying uh-huh. that you, you, as well as being denounced or out of the the inheritance from your grandfather, Warren Buffett, that you, do you, still have a relationship with him or what kind of terms are you guys on? Um, You know, um, it's, I've written to him and we, we, I can communicate with him. He's written back, but he's very, um, he's been, um, I think there's this kind of logistical function that that's happening where it's very much about kind of marriage and connection and law. And so I think that these are, these are these different kind of systems that, that, they, those systems um, dictate how we how we relate, and this is where this is where to me this is the juicy part of even talking about this, continuing this conversation of sharing this aspect of of what happened to me, and that mm-hmm. what's happening quote to me is yeah. something that's happening and has happened to all of us, where we all decide to abide inside of these structures, um, these legal structures which are really determine the extent of our connection. They determine the extent of how we belong, who we belong to, what we belong to, the extent that we can belong to it from real estate to money to marriage to adoption and to these legalities that function as this is real, this is not real. This is true, this is false. This is valuable. This is not worth anything. Um, fool's gold or gold? Which one is it? So, yeah. um, I and so I'm bringing this up because um, my father, Peter Buffett, um, is is not my biological father. He adopted my sister and I um, and raised us from the time we were three and a half years old. Mm-hmm. And um, he, we have, we are, we as a family actually are extremely unconventional family already. So we're already living outside of the box and yet we're very much inside the box. So mm-hmm. um, there's kind of, so yeah, so I've always, I've always been pushed up against all my life. Um, what is true? What is not true? Um, and really where it always comes back to is it's, it's how we hold it. It's how the meaning that we make of it. And ultimately, we we have to start learning to not let other people make that determination for us, but to take that that power that we have and to realize that power to decide and to trust in what do we know about who we are? What do we know about what this relationship is? You know, mm-hmm. my grandfather doesn't really get to decide if I'm a part of a family or not. I do. That's right. And that's that's the beauty of this. And at the same time, he gets to decide. He gets to decide how he feels about family. 
Mm-hmm. And then how his family, what happens for him as far as who's a part of that family becomes real. Because of the decision. Because of his decision of who he wants to have close and who he chooses to have farther away. Mm-hmm. And so what would you, that's what the transcendental part. Mm-hmm. Yes, I believe, I hear that. I believe it, I hear it, I get that. Um, and what would you say from your point of view is the reason that he felt that need to push you push you farther away? Well, um, that's, up, that's a big conversation where we all have different ideas and it, it hasn't really been revealed, but um, completely. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that um, when my parents divorced, it was kind of in my grandfather's mind, almost like a contract that was then null and void. And he doesn't really understand that my father who adopted us, that there's another contract, <laughs> not that uh-huh. this is determined by contracts, but in, in the, in the world of contracts and that, and if you're thinking along those lines right. in that linear way of thinking, I think there was some idea that it just, we were not valid that, um, uh, that somehow that did not make us um, valid family members. Um, I also mm-hmm. think, though, that there was something around on a more personal level. You know, we were the first grandchildren of the family, and and then, you know, for only about five, four or five years or maybe even less than that, and then my Aunt Susie had her amazing children who I love and adore. And so the, the, the family grew, and I had cousins, and we all would be together every year um, at Christmas time. But um, I think that there's also something around the intimacy that we had and we shared with my grandfather as very young children and then the closeness of my grandmother. And after my grandmother passed away, I think something, it was really difficult for my grandfather. This is just all hype, a guessing game here, but this is what, I, what I've come to you know, um, consider, is that it was really difficult for my grandfather to embrace us um, alongside the, the loss of my grandmother. And I think he kind of collapsed us into her death, and it was easier to let us go as he was having to let her go because okay. we were so close. So I, I think that there's something mm-hmm. around fear of intimacy here, too. Mm. And to pick up something just, new, someone new to love that you could also lose without your control or your consent. Something, yeah, and just feeling out of control, feeling that, yeah. um, you know, and then my kind of being being um, free, my freedom of speech, my freedom of expression also kind of signified this, like, feeling of maybe not having control over and there was a there was a trigger there there was definitely some triggers that occurred and um you know decisions were made and reactions were you know happening mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i hear that and then in that place where it there was the significance of your freedom of speech of your choice to as you said to speak out um and kind of broke some of the code or the, maybe the unspoken code, I would imagine, or the rules of the family through the yeah, yeah. Um, documentary. Um, we, we talked about that more, you know, I, I don't want to go too much in depth about the documentary, but I would love to just, you know, mm-hmm. highlight that piece because mm-hmm. it's such an important piece of the story and the unfolding of sure. all that's come to be. Um, but can you just speak 
about a bit about, you know, what happened with the documentary, why that was important to you and how that was so impactful for your grandfather and your relationship with him? Sure. Um, yeah, prior to the documentary, there really wasn't anyone in the family that had really put themselves in the public eye um, in regards to the relationship to my grandfather and um, our family's wealth. Um, so um, this this film was called The 1%, and it was a secondary film that the director, Jamie Johnson, had was creating to his first documentary called Born Rich, in which he was featured, he himself was featured alongside a handful of friends who were all very young heirs to multi-mega-wealthy families, himself the Johnson & Johnson heir. And he was really exploring kind of the impact that great wealth had on him and the culture that it created, that having access to great wealth, especially young people having access to great wealth, and what that really looked like, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and definitely more the bad and the ugly than the good. So his second film was more about exploring what is, instead of just looking at heirs, how, what's the spectrum of responsibility and different kind of the human condition around what happens when people have great wealth and what are these different reactions and responses ranging from um, uh, different kind of the opulence it can, you know, people going into just kind of a, a luxury, the luxury can buy to do they feel social responsibility. And I was, he wanted me to be a part of this kind of wheelhouse of people in the secondary film, The 1%. Because he felt like I that I represented this um, kind of irony of being a part of this mega wealthy family and yet living a very humble, simple lifestyle, having a lot, having a lot of privilege, but not having anywhere near as much privilege as most people, including himself, would think I had or have. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so he was he was fascinating to, for me. He was fascinated by me representing that kind of that point inside of this world of mega wealth. Um, at the time, I had just gotten my degree in which that was the one thing that my family really was adamantly supportive of, which I'm extremely thankful for, which is paying for uh, my education in full. And so I had just gotten my master's um, in um, painting at the San Francisco Art Institute. And at the time, I was living in a warehouse with my very good friend who was also an artist, um, and um, I was a nanny during the day and a full-time artist all the rest of the time. And I was, you know, with a gallery and working and living a, a, a wonderful life. Um, and um, Jamie was just really fascinated by that. And um, I was I was really happy to, to share it because at that time I was, in my mind, I was living in the way that my family really raised me to live and that... Um, Yes, I had um, immense privilege through my education and just throughout my lifetime of travels and um, exposure to amazing people and um, places. But I also had the honor and dignity of, of really making it on my own to some extent. So that was something that my family really wanted for me. And I was, I was living, I was abiding and living up to that at that time. Right. So, so that so that's the um, that's the context of of the of the film, and then it went on to that I appeared on Oprah, and I pushed um, I pushed the envelope there where I was asked by Oprah if I was upset that they didn't have more money, and 
of course, I admitted to absolutely. I'm just like anybody else who'd like to have, you know, not worry about money, but that I, what yeah. I would, um, if I had a complaint, is that I'd like to be involved in the more philanthropic aspect of my family's wealth, and that instead of being a part of that, I was excluded from that. Okay. Um, so, you know, there was some, there was some, that was an edge for me, you know, and that was an edge for everyone to kind of talk. That was pushing into the idea of, um, are we responsible to this great wealth that we have and what are we doing? And I know we all would do something different with it if we had it. And just looking at that, that kind of those questions and that conversation really started and it, yeah. Yeah. And so if it's sounding like what you're saying is, um, or what I'm hearing is that your, your, your greatest interest right now is to be able to have access to the, the wealth, in order to allow others to benefit from it. Sorry. Yeah, and that that whole idea of of access um, to the wealth is um, is really more of a place inside of our is like what does that really what does that really look like? Because I think that the wealth the wealth that my family has it's just it's about possibilities. It's about making, manifesting your dreams. It's having access, period. It gives you access, sure, as we spoke sure. about in our last, in our last conversation. Um, and it's like, I don't have any of that wealth, but it, there's something about having the name and having had even just a connection to it that creates an access, not just for myself, but for other people that right. even just in, in, inside their minds inside of our minds. So, and that's my, I'm not really being that clear about that. That's a little more, um, I'm not being specific, but you can go ahead and ask me something specific because I'm getting okay. too yeah, general. No, that's okay. So, um, if we could talk maybe more specifically about, you know, we're, we're talking about, um, the, the loss that has happened and clearly, <clears throat> Clearly, there is a loss there for you. Yeah, and then at this, yeah, and so I want to, you know, honor that and you know make space for that to be heard. And then at the same time, I've heard you talk about that that limitation or that that what you sacrifice is not only money or the inheritance, but that you sacrificed a sense of limitation. If you could talk right. a little bit about that. Right, exactly. Um, I think that it's also like, what does money give us? Is that it gives us a feeling of limitlessness. It gives us, a, it releases us from having limitation itself. Um, but if the, the hopes of gaining the money and protecting that is the very thing that limits us, then that in, that in and of itself needs to be released. If you if you're really interested in in ha- in being limitless and 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 having no limitation to being able to just to be, and so at at that point because um, of the way that I was raised and I was already significantly independent, that just to sacrifice my expression or to sacrifice my voice felt like that just it, it wasn't something that I could do because 
There was nothing really in exchange for it. I had nothing, there was nothing that I really would have gained by sacrificing it only other than losing that, which was my greatest and our greatest asset. And that's the wealth that is inside of us that has nothing to do with how much money we have. Mm-hmm. That's right. So to, to let that go, to let the possibility go to whatever extent that's true or not true of what will come or what will happen or what my grandfather will or won't decide to share and all of those things, those are all unknowns as well mm-hmm. that are based in the future. But what, okay. what is true right now is um, my story, our story, what we know, who we are, what we've experienced, what we've seen. And when someone asks us to share our story, it's an honor. It's an honor. Um, yeah. And, and that's where, um, that's the true, and that's where that's, this is the gift of this, is that um, it's really, it's, it's pushed me to deeply know that, um, how important that actually is, is, you know, there's like, you know, we always ask, that's kind of the the question that, you know, the the party question, what would you do for $5 million or what would you give up or what would you, and um, that's a great question. Like, you know, what would you give up and, and um, what do you think you would gain by giving it up? That's right. Maybe we already have the thing that we think that we'd gain. Can you and be more just, specific? Uh, yeah. I feel like you're like touching on some gold. Right oh, there. sure. Well, um, we think we're going to gain a lot of freedom. Or as my father says in a recent interview, you know, he finds it fascinating that, you know, this the idea of the pursuit of happiness. Um, we think that we're going to gain. Uh, we can gain so much once we have the money um, or if we had the money. Um, and none of us are above that that structure of money at this point um and it certainly allows access to things and it certainly allows a lot um but it's also important to remember the source from which our desires to even do anything with money really comes from which is within our soul it's within our minds it's within our hearts of who are we what's important to us and what are we going to do about it? <laughs> and 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 what and what are, what's the expression of that? So so pe- some people feel like if they have you know for example my grandfather doesn't drive Rolls Royces and have a fancy house because that to him that's not the expression of value. I think actually the expression of value for my grandfather is you know being a good person. You know, are, do you care about people? Do you have values? Do you have integrity? Um, that's his value. And that has nothing to do with money, although he has a bunch of money. (laughs) So, and for me, my value is, is expression. I I value expression almost more than anything Mm -hmm. to be able to express, to be able to share. That's just pure fun. Actually, (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. just fun. It's fun to be able to do it. We, when we started this conversation, Jenna, you were talking about just how, how much fun, you know, storytelling is sitting around a campfire and sharing stories. It's like, there's really, 
there's nothing more captivating than than that ultimately and all of the technology right now from facebook to instagram to all this ultimately these are platforms of storytelling and so we're taking this to a whole other level um and making it very fancy but it really is a very simple thing and it's one of the most treasured um basic human rights and basic human needs um is to share and ultimately to learn we learn from stories we learn okay. from each other we so 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 yeah and if if there's yeah. something you know i i'm wanting to kind of like i feel like you know it's like i can <clears throat> see this sort of metaphorical like treasure chest but it's really like i keep coming back to this sense of of gold which sounds so cheesy and cliche but it's like there's just this treasure chest mm. of gold with you that's not even about money or wealth or right. you know whatever word mm. you would call the those words that are financial wealth and I just like want right. to dig in there and be like what sure. what is that learning you know what I mean like what is that learning that you're finding is emerging mm. through these stories that you're mm. sharing with us what is mm-hmm. the ultimate learning because you know we yeah. we know the yeah. story of wealth we know we the do. story of some people have tremendous money and a lot of people right. have not enough yeah. So I'm also like wanting to dig into this treasure chest and be like, yes. what is the learning that is seeking to emerge through your story, through being adopted and embraced by the family, yes. being rejected by your grandfather and kind of kicked out in his voice by the family. Right. And, you know, that experience mm-hmm. of the importance of the personal expression and saying, this is my truth, this is my story, this is my creativity, this is who I am, I'm not willing to sell it. <clears throat> and embracing and finding that place where you're coming into like a real, oh, a real transcendental space where it's like now there's a simplicity and we found that one nugget that's like, this is the most important nugget in this whole chest. It's like, this mm-hmm. is the learning, this is how we can integrate and distill the the pain you've been through and the the advantages that you've been exposed to and had the opportunity to benefit from that it's like what is right. what is the teaching how do how do how do we learn from your experience or maybe we okay. should just start with like what have you you know, you're you're talking about it already, obviously, you know, what you've learned from your experience. And I'm also just feeling like there's this like nugget of gold mm. in, in that treasured chest that's like, this is what your life is <clears throat> coming to reveal. And maybe it won't be until, you know, you're, you're 62 and then, then, you know, but like, if we could, you know, look at where we are now and say, yeah. this is, this is what's come from this beautiful, amazing, challenging, yeah, uh, difficult and very privileged story that we're sitting around the campfire with you and being like, wow, a day in the life or, you know, maybe not day in the life, but, <laughs> you know, an hour in the life of, sure, of sure. the full life that is your experience and a very unusual situation. Right. Well, when you keep asking me, what is this nugget? You say nugget and the chest, and I'm having this really lovely visualization of this giant, like, pirate chest. Yeah. Um, There's one word that really keeps coming to me, and that is connection. 
Right. And that right. even, you know, the rejection that occurred for me and for my sister in regards to the relationship and the connection with my grandfather. See, the, the, the potency of that rejection and the potency of that pain is because of the connection. Because right. of how connected we are. Because of how connected we've been. Mm-hmm. Because of how connection is the gold. It is the most valuable possession that we can have within ourselves and with another. Because connection is both singular and plural in the sense that it, it's about you and the other. But it's both. It's, an, it's, it's, it's about, it's creating a whole and a wholeness of, of belonging. So the connection is, that is why we do it all. Why do we buy fancy clothes? Why do we have the fancy cars so that we can get attention? What is the attention giving us? It's giving us the connection. We want to be close. We want to be connected. We need to be connected. Ultimately, we need to be connected. If we are not connected, we cannot live. That is how the Native Americans, that is what they knew. They're connected to the earth. That's why they knew how to take care of it. Because when you're you're connected to something, you want to care for it. Mm -hmm. So learning about connection is learning about care. And when we care about something, we become more connected to it. And that is the gold. That is what feels good. That's the pleasure in life. You're kind of blowing my mind right now. I'm like, I'm just like, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> is it pleasurable? Though? I, I want to make sure you feel good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's both like, like stunning, you know, which is, which is like both like beyond pleasurable, like it's exciting. <laughs> and then it's also like everything in me is like still like, uh oh, what's happening? What's happening? <laughs> Everything's happening. Everything's happening. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Everything is happening. Everything it's is all happening. happening right now. Yeah. Yes. It is. Oh my goodness. And so, and so the connection, it's like, at a certain point, we just we we have to decide like what is my connection with this person. I know he's called Grandpa, but that doesn't really matter. It's actually about the connection. How do you feel? What do you feel? Mm-hmm. Whether you're sitting right in front of him, or you're you know across the country, uh, posing you know fifteen years later, thinking about those times when I was four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and I would go visit my grandfather in Omaha, Nebraska from my bohemian uh, lifestyle in San Francisco. And we would go to Omaha and it was always in spring and it was always hot. And it was, it was, it was a whole different world. And, you know, the things that stand out for me were like fireflies. Mm -hmm. That was just, wow. I mean, to me, that's one thing Grandpa gave my grandfather gave me. He gave me fireflies. <laughs> you know, it's like, no. wow. And we got to go outside and we got to experience the, his backyard. 
where he had a garden and he had fireflies. Mm -hmm. No, nothing can take that from me. Mm -hmm. That's right. So that those are the connection points. Those are and that's the connection. So the the connection I'm hearing you Mm. saying it's like many things within that one word. It's just like, wow, that's just such a great name, you know, such a great title, The Connection. And I'm hearing you talking about the connection between humans. How do I feel in my connection with another person? How do I feel in my connection with you? How do I feel in my connection with my family members? And then there's the connection with the earth. You're talking about the Native Americans and the fireflies and the you know, the nature <laughs> elements, the aspects of nature, do we feel connected? And then I also want yeah. to introduce or ask you to say, to speak about, to say something about, um, does that word, as you're becoming, you know, or looking at that nugget, that golden nugget of truth that's yeah. being revealed, um, yes. does that connection also feel like, for you here, a connection to something beyond the earth plane beyond what we could call 3D or the human earth experience. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that I want to just say that I want to go back really quickly and say that you were saying my connection, mm-hmm. you know, our connection, and that if there's something to own in relationship to anything and everything, it's that. Is that we own our connection to it. So so we get to direct how connected are we. Uh, and, and, and we get to decide and choose um, and make decisions based upon how connected we like to become or how connected we already are and what does that really feel like. And so you're asking me then, next level, is this beyond the three dimension? What 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 does this really mean? Um, we're talking about all this earth plane stuff. We're talking about money. We're talking about contracts. We're talking about things, you know. We're talking about the earth itself, and then and then really going inside, not looking at the external. That that is the cosmos. I mean, that is the etheric, you know, space of of consciousness, of possibility, of of emptiness. You know, we can be as full of an idea as we want to be, or we can be in a flash, in a moment, we can decide that we no longer choose to believe that. And then we become an empty space of possibility for what do I want to choose so that I may be connected to X. X being whatever it is that we want. Yes. So ultimately, again, this becomes connection is creativity. Creativity leads us to connect. A really good friend of mine who um, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm working on, I'm producing and working on a project with a film. He's making a film um, called The Art of Dance. And he asked me a question, a very simple question. He said, what moves you? What moves you? And simple, simple answer, connection. Beautiful. Beautiful. Why do we dance? What's the point? What's the point? 
so that we can be connected, so that we can draw each other closer in, so that we can reflect something to another that allows them to feel more connected to their own beauty. Mm-hmm. Those are the things I think about. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And there's also that level that I'm hearing from you and know, know about you that it's, there's an importance of that self-expression to be connected in that authentic way, as opposed to like with mm-hmm. connect based on like your car or how pretty your nails are or to, to connect on a surface level, but to connect from a place of deeper self-expression and connection within and, yourself. And, and even on the surface, even on the surface, it's like bless, blessing that. There's n- mm-hmm. even, even okay. that, the purity of that, the truth of okay. that, inside mm-hmm. of that, inside of that. Some people don't know how to connect beyond that. They just don't know how. Either uh, some people, no one's connected with them that way. They've never had the opportunity. No one's reached in past that surface experience of what it feels like to be human. And so that's that's as far as they know, and that's as far that's as they the, can go. That's as far as it's going to go at this point. So, um, Which, which leads have... me to, 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 to <laughs> say it makes sense why we might, as a culture, be so obsessed with things. Yeah, external Because if that's as far as we can go, then we need more. <laughs> then we need more stuff because if that's the place that we connect, yeah. you know. Or feel connected or have yeah, a sense exactly. of connection. Exactly. And there is some level of that, like, because I feel like if I could just speak about myself here, like, mm-hmm. I know really deep things. I know really deep connection mm-hmm. and I value it so profoundly, too. And it means everything and I can see and understand all the things that you're talking about, all the ways that we collectively seek connection in, in more and less effective ways, you know, and sometimes Mm. it's through watching TV and sometimes it's through shopping and sometimes it's Mm -hmm. through um, sitting and having coffee with a person. Sometimes it's getting on Facebook. And I know that for me, those really deep places of connection are things like this, having these kinds of conversations where I'm like, can we just talk about what's really going on and be really intimate and talk about vulnerable things that might kind of feel scary but are so effing beautiful because it's we're all in it together and we're all having this inner experience that's so profoundly vulnerable and so profoundly exquisite and beautiful and perfect and confusing and all these different things that we're collectively experiencing. <laughs> and at the same time, I'm like, and I yeah. want to go shopping sometimes and I want to buy something yeah. pretty and I want to go exactly. on Facebook sometimes and I want to like get mm-hmm. likes on Facebook and I, and I want to have pretty nails, you know? So yeah, I appreciate exactly. you saying, right? Like we can embrace all of it. And not we're be not like, above it. We're, yeah, I'm we're all part so of above we're, it. We're living on multidimensional levels. We exist yeah. on multidimensional levels. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. And mm-hmm. so I really feel the richness in what you're saying and feel mm-hmm. the value in what you're saying. And I want to just bring it, we have just like about five minutes left, but I want to see okay. if we can tie it back into talking about, wait, before I go there, I want to say one more thing about everything that you said, which is like in feeling into the richness and the value of what you're describing, it's like so many different traditions that you could call spiritual or peace-seeking or enlightenment or finding what really matters in the world, which I'm also really interested in, too, is like, what are we doing with our time here and what really matters? Mm. And 
what mm-hmm. what do we take with us beyond these you know short handful of years that we have here like what mm-hmm. really matters and I feel like you're touching into that it's the presence it's the connection it's the knowing it's the it's the the, the moment and that place of emptiness that you're describing mm-hmm. where is the space of possibility for creativity and creation, expression, yeah. connection. So now the yes. thing I want to go back to and tying it all kind of back together, if there's a way that we can, maybe there is, maybe there isn't, but if I could try to seek, seek, seek to open it up, because it's like, you know, what, and what is this ultimately, like, what does this have to do with money in the sense that there's so many people that are the 99% that are so many people that are um, saying, how do I pay my bills with this emptiness bullshit? You know, I need to, I need to pay for my electric bill. I need to pay for my, my living, my day-to-day survival. And how does this transcendental emptiness BS, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say BS for you know, the mm-hmm. sake of, yeah, how would it help me? That voice. How would it help me? <laughs> function on a on a mundane you know yeah. level like, where, where it's, it's yeah yeah how do you see that also just from your point of view too mm-hmm. because like you have been in an advantaged place where you're not an Absolutely. inner city kid you know looking at homelessness no. as a personal thing but you can still see it Absolutely. and I know from that place of wanting to be philanthropic and and your capacity mm-hmm. to see in the same way that the Buddha left the palace and said, Oh my gosh, like I'm willing to give up the, the riches of my palace and my prestige and place in order to be of benefit to all the suffering. So I want to just kind of bring you back to that value as well. Yeah. I still, I think that, um, when we start changing our person, when we start getting connected to (laughs) what our actual needs are, that can be so helpful as far as, looking at, like, what do I actually need? So do I have what I need? Now, so, and there's different levels here we're talking about, because we're talking, are we talking about the person who's in poverty and does not have their basic needs? Let's even, let's talk about that. Let's talk about someone who's, who's suffering and without their basic needs. Yeah. I, I've been fortunate enough to work with an amazing organization called A Window Between Worlds. Um, Kathy Salzer is a dear friend of mine, and she's created a huge organization that provides art therapy to women who are and children, people who are fleeing domestic violence and, and, and situations of d- deep trauma. And what she does is she creates a refuge space for even for just 30 minutes, an hour out of that person's day, whether they're on their way to a shelter or they might even be on the street. She takes them in and she lovingly allows them and holds them through a process of sitting with themselves and sitting with their feelings and sitting inside of a space where someone says, I care about you. You are loved. What is happening for you? What do you need? I want to hear you. I want to see you. You are safe. Wow. Mm -hmm. That is connection. For one hour, regardless of how dire and how scary that person's experience and relationship is in this world of the haves and the have-nots and all of the things that are that's happening. Um, that moment, that hour, it, it, it's like a multivitamin. It's like a spiritual vitamin. It, it, it helps that person feel like, okay, 
I can do this. I can go back out there and I can find my way because I am, I have meaning. I have purpose. I am connected. I'm not alone. And so, yeah, that's, that's one of the first things that comes to me when I, when I'm, what I'm talking about and the times where I've been broke and I've been freaked out and, you know, post, you know, while I'm in college or whatever, you know what, you know, what saved me is my connection with people, people believing in me, Nicole. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can take another day, have another day. Um, and because of valuing my connection and my ability to be there, to, whether it's a job that I'm working and I just say, you know what, thank God I'm here. And people say, wow, you've got a great work ethic. I mean, one of the greatest compliments I've ever been given was by my first boss, a mother and daughter team of a little shop in San Francisco. And she told me, wow, Nicole, you have a great work ethic. I thought, what? What do you mean? I, I, what do you mean? She says, well, you're just, you're just so jolly. You're just happy to be here. And that, mm. that always struck me. We think mm. work ethic means if we're suffering, if we're doing longer hours, it's no, it's about how are you connected? Are you connected? Are you connected to, gosh, I am so thankful I'm here. I can do this. So there's a bunch of stuff, you know, so I could go on. (laughs) And I want to, we feel connection. Let's feel, would you say that again? Connection. Connection is it is, it is the gold. It is, and it's like reaching into your pocket and finding a thousand dollars. Beautiful. And I because really hear that. And yeah. I see that. Yeah. I see okay. that in you. And the, fir- the first time I ever saw you, I, I could feel, see, sense, like, I want to say within myself, the connection that you, fe- that you feel, that you experience, that I would say is that thankful place of like, I am, I am here. I am here. Mm. Mm. And it's really, really profound. And it is an incredible, profound resource and gift. And there's so much being revealed through this. And I appreciate so much this time that we've had together. Yeah, I appreciate so much. We've been talking to Nicole Buffett. Appreciate you so much. I feel like we could just go on. For another two hours. <laughs> well, thank we'll you. I hope I, I hope that this was fun or interesting in some way. Oh my god! And so I'm honored everything. to share. I'm honored to share in any way. So thank you yeah. for giving me the opportunity to do that. Thank you, Nicole Buffett. If if anybody would like to, if you'd like to reach out and connect with Nicole, um, you can find her website nicolebuffett.fft.com, and uh, also. Um, an email where you can reach her is art and healing on the mountain. She's a beautiful artist. You can check out some of the work that she's been doing and um, connect with her at those two places. And I am Jenna Grayson, your host. Art and healing on the mountain at Gmail. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Did <laughs> I leave out the Gmail? At Gmail. Yes. Art and healing on the mountain at Gmail. Sorry. Sorry about that. Um, and uh, you've been listening, listening to the hypnotic comic. You can find us. Hypnotic Comic Live. You can find us on BBS Radio as well as on iTunes um, or hypnoticcomic.com, jennagrayson.com. I got to go on those websites myself. All right. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate you, everybody, your help. Um, thank you to Namid Wolf for our intro music, to Doug and Don, the twins of the mostest, and Nicole, a twin that is. Um, 
such an exquisite light and a place of wisdom in this world. So thank you all so much for your help in making this show possible today. We'll talk to you all next Monday at noon live, or you can find the recordings of the show on iTunes. Thanks so much.